0: Hello, you're listening to Wait, how do you spell that? A rare disease podcast. My name is Colby, and I'm the editor here at Patient Worthy. And today I'm happy to welcome to the show one of Patient Worthy's newest partners, the Courageous Parents Network, also known as CPN. They're a nonprofit organization and educational platform that orients, empowers, and accompanies families and providers caring for children with serious illness. And to help in our discussion today, we have two very special guests. Jennifer Seidman is the Director of Community Engagement at CPN, and Dr. Chrissy Sally is the Director of Clinician Engagement and Outreach. Jennifer, Chrissy, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you for having us, Colby. We're excited to be here today and talk to you a little bit more about Courageous Parents Network. To start with, would you
0: mind giving us an introduction to the Courageous Parents Network for people who may not be familiar with the organization?
1: So what is Courageous Parents Network? As you said before, we're a nonprofit organization, and our mission is really to empower and support and equip families and providers caring for kids with serious illness. So how do we do that? We offer both a web and mobile platform that features a video library of over 600 video segments of caregivers and clinicians talking about many of the issues that families Caring for children with serious illness face. Those could be things like, how do I tend my marriage or the sibling? It can range to interventions such as considering a spinal fusion surgery or tracheostomy or participation in a clinical trial. We also, of course, talk about a lot of the psychosocial and emotional topics that families face like anticipatory grief, decisional regret. These are just a few of the topics that we cover. We also have a robust blog. So in case you're a reader, you can read about many of those topics. And our website also includes a series of small curated educational modules. We call them pathways, where you can learn about a specific topic and guides that will help you to inform you. You might use them in a doctor's appointment or in a school appointment. And those guides and curated learning opportunities are available in Spanish. The goal of CPN is, of course, again, just to equip caregivers with information and language so that they can navigate their decision making with greater confidence and help to keep their family strong. Because we are web-based, it's terrific that all of our resources are available 24-7 and they are actually free.
2: And Colby, I'll add to Jennifer's description to let you know that on our website, we also have a clinician portal, and this clinician portal is available to any provider that's working with families of children with serious health conditions. This can be social workers, child life specialists, physicians, nurses, psychologists, chaplains, anyone you can think of who might want to have access to resources that are specifically designed to them. The materials within our portal are designed for self-education and training. We recognize how hard this work can be and that as providers, we can all benefit from resources that help us be the best resource we can be to our patients and families.
0: Can you tell us a little about your backgrounds and how you got involved in support and advocacy?
1: So I come to Courageous Parents Network as a mom, first and foremost. My son, Benjamin, was diagnosed with sampley syndrome in 1997. My husband and I spent many years advocating for research, primarily gene therapy for his disorder. And then about a year after he passed away, I was interviewed by Blythe Lord, the founder of Courageous Parents Network, about my experience. And over the course of the next two years, I ended up leaving my career and started working at Courageous Parents Network. In many ways, I see my work now and what I'm doing through the network as a way to stay connected to my son, Ben, and the lessons that he taught me and the wisdom that I have to share with other parents.
2: So I got in this work through a different path from Jennifer. When I was in college, a high school friend passed away from a serious health condition. Observing their family and their resiliency inspired me to go into a helping profession. Uh, So I'm a pediatric psychologist, which means that I'm a psychologist who supports medically complex children and their families. Over the years, I have developed a particular interest in meeting the mental health and other psychosocial needs of the parents and caregivers of these children, and thinking and writing about how our healthcare and community systems can do that. And that's what led me to Courageous Parents Network.
0: All right. And Chrissy, I'm glad that you're on the show today because that means we can talk about your area of expertise, the psychological aspects involved in long term care specifically caring for a child of serious illness, I I feel like there's more often a focus put on the physical or medical needs at play. But can you talk about the long-term psychological aspects of parents providing this type of care?
2: Yeah, so it's really important that we talk about the psychological needs of caregivers. And sometimes this is referred to as psychosocial needs or mental health. But we're really talking about a cluster of the same issues We know that caregivers are facing a lot and a lot more than we can cover today, just in in this recording. So, you know, first, early on, there's an adjustment to the shock of the news that your child has a serious health condition. Caregivers have to learn how to navigate the medical system, make decisions right away, usually regarding their child's care. And that requires learning a new medical language that they are probably not familiar with. They have to evaluate risks and benefits of treatment options. And fears about the outcomes of those options. Meanwhile, they're doing all of this while trying to maintain the rest of their life. So this includes work life, caring for and supporting other children, trying to support their partner in some cases. We also know that there are a lot of financial burdens for these families. And they might be facing mental health symptoms like anxiety, depression, and traumatic stress. And at some point, most caregivers do get into a routine, and there's a shift from managing the initial shock and adjustment to the more chronic caregiver role, which can bring about making major decisions about necessary changes for the family. So are we going to move to be closer to a medical center? Do one of us need to quit our job to be able to manage these demands? And at CPM, we often hear caregivers talk about things like burnout, decisional fatigue, strain on relationships, and the list goes on. And all of this is while facing the existential distress that comes along with understanding that your child's life might be limited. But, Colby, it's always important to note that even within these realities, parents and caregivers and families are resilient. They're incredible parents, giving their children the best lives they can. And there are things that we, and by we, I mean clinicians in the hospital, partners in the community, family and friends, all of us, there. are have things we can offer and can do to support them and help mitigate the effects of some of the challenges that they're facing.
0: And let's talk about a subject that probably doesn't come up very often for the average parent, but is a reality for thousands of parents of children with serious illness, and that's palliative care. If people think about palliative and end-of-life care, and and I know those are two different topics there, but if people think about those at all, it's usually in the context of an older person or an elderly person. Jennifer, can you talk about the difference between that and this type of care in pediatrics?
1: Sure. It is, Colby, very true that the world is more familiar with palliative care for adults, but the field of pediatric palliative care is growing, and it's one that we are really passionate about at Courageous Parents Network. And so I think first to engage in a conversation about how we can expand people's knowledge and awareness and willingness to accept and participate in palliative care medicine for their young child, we have to talk about dispelling some of the myths. Palliative care is not the same as hospice care, which generally comes at the end of life. But because the two are often mentioned together, there's this misunderstanding that palliative care is also about the end of life. And I can tell you from my own experience that that is anything but true. I often have said to families, I wish instead of my son being referred to palliative care at the age of 14, he was referred at diagnosis because I know it would have made a lot of those things that Chrissy spoke about earlier, those decision points and those pain points in your journey a lot smoother. Because palliative care is really about living well. It can include things like pain and symptom management, But importantly, palliative care is a practice of medicine that looks at the whole patient. And this includes things like considering the impact medical issues will have on the whole family and really helping families determine their goals of care when their child is facing a life-limiting illness. It doesn't need to come at end of life. Again, I want to reiterate that fact because I think the sooner you can get involved with a palliative care provider, the better and easier your journey as a caregiver will be. I think another area where palliative care can be really instrumental is in facilitating conversations. And those are conversations not only just between providers themselves, like providers to providers. Sometimes the palliative care physician can help a specialty physician look beyond just that specialty to see the whole child and the range of problems that the family may be facing. And sometimes the palliative care provider can also help to facilitate conversations between a family and a specialist. So they act as a conduit to really good conversations. And maybe the best thing I can do here today is give you an example from my own experience. When my son Benjamin was about 14 years old, we were trying to decide if we were going to give him spinal fusion surgery. He had developed a severe scoliosis. And at the time, he probably was in a position where he might not survive that surgery. And the person that we were primarily speaking with about this was of course the spinal surgeon and his perspective was yes i can fix that curve for you and your son will not have some of the pulmonary issues and some of the things that will come down the road as a result of the curve but that specialist wasn't listening to the neurologist who was saying well the cause of the curve is coming from something that's a neurological message from benjamin's brain and doing a spinal surgery isn't gonna stop that message. And it was my palliative care doctor who actually got all my specialists in the room to listen to all of the concerns and to see Ben as a whole instead of just a piece. And it was then that my family could come to a decision that we felt most comfortable with about whether or not to fuse the spine. So it's really important to talk about palliative care. It's really important to introduce it early. It can make a really big difference in the lives of families. So we work really hard at Courageous Parents Network, and we have a lot of resources on our website to direct families to find a palliative care provider. And we have resources for clinicians on how to introduce palliative care to a family.
0: And Christy, that's one aspect of CPN that you're directly involved with, working with doctors and other medical support figures. Can you talk about the work that CPN is doing there?
2: Yeah, that's right. So, you know, certainly we are well-connected to pediatric palliative care providers because we want to support them in the work that they're doing. But we're also casting a much wider net than that because we know that there are ways that providers would like some more support or that we might be able to support them in doing this really difficult work. So this could be pediatric subspecialists or pediatricians and other types of supportive providers like physical therapists, genetic counselors, anyone that you might encounter during your medical journey. So I mentioned the provider portal earlier, which has those resources for self-education and also introduces ways that providers can use CPN's materials to help and support families. But we also frequently present at hospitals, professional conferences, and community organizations on important topics like we've discussed already, including shared decision making or navigating transitions, because we really want to bring the family voice to life for providers to hear. And we also collaborate with experts on research and developing clinical tools to enhance their practice, ultimately providing the best care they can to children and families.
0: And this is kind of a broad question, but I'll open it up to both of you. What advice do you have for parents who find themselves facing a new serious diagnosis for their child?
1: So many things, but I I think I'm going to break it down for me. Three big ones. The first is to find your widths. Those are the people who will walk with you. They can be friends. They can be family. They can be doctors. You're, of course, going to need people in your lives who are going to do things for you, like bring you dinner, but finding the people who are with you is different. Those are the people that are truly willing to accompany you, that hold space with you, and developing a sense of who those people are and when to lean into them is one of the best things you can do when you're newly diagnosed. It's one of the reasons why I love all the videos on CPN, because sometimes listening to other parents talk about their journey and the things that they accessed during it can help you identify your whiz, the things that you're going to need as you walk this path. And my second bit of advice is to hone your voice. You are your child's expert. It takes a really long time to become comfortable with that. And that doesn't mean just the medical complexities that your child has. It means you are the expert in your child. And one of the ways that you can find that hone your voice and tune into who you are, is by interacting and listening to other parents. That's why we have patient organizations. And that's why people go to support groups. And that's one of the reasons that CPN is so powerful. There's no one that a parent trusts more than another parent. And CPN offers a lot of opportunities to hear from other parents. The third piece of advice I would have to the newly diagnosed is you don't need to see and know everything all at once. In my work in my son's disease space, I spoke with a lot of newly diagnosed families. And Sample, like many serious illnesses, has stages, and some of them aren't so pretty. Parents don't always need to see what is going to happen in the future. They may not be ready for it. It's okay to go slowly. But I also tell them at that same time that You don't need to see everything at once, but when you do feel that need to peek ahead and see what's coming, you want to do it with the people that you have already identified as your withs. Again, that could be a friend. It could be a trusted provider. It could be a therapist. And that's one of the reasons why I tell families to seek out palliative care, because that's what palliative care does. They really help you navigate what lies ahead while still reminding you how to be in the place that you are now.
2: Yeah, and Colby, what I can add to Jennifer's comment about finding your wits, because I have similar advice on that as a clinician myself, I would encourage parents and caregivers to seek support services for their child and themselves within the hospital when those resources are available. And the reason I mention it is because most families who have not interacted with the hospital system may not be aware that there are support resources available to them. So most families will have access to professionals like child life specialists who are there to support your child through things like medical procedures or helping them talk through some of their feelings. Social workers can be an excellent resource that's usually available within pediatric medical settings to help families navigate access to core resources they might be in need of and also talk through some of the emotional aspects they're experiencing. They can also help with more referrals to tackle some of those issues if needed. And finally, I would also encourage families to ask questions and share their concerns with their child's medical team as openly as they can. Using those approaches can help open up communication, which I think is key on both sides for providers and families to feel that there is space for open and honest communication so that families can feel empowered with the knowledge that they need to make decisions for their child.
0: And what are some ways that friends and family can help support parents that are going through this type of experience with their child?
2: So there are different ways that family and friends can support parents. A lot of people do want to help, but they're not always sure how. So first, I have to say one thing they can do is view all of our materials on Courageous Parents Network or join us because this will give them good insight into the circumstances of the family and some ways to support them. In fact, we even have a printable guide designed for grandparents and other family, close family members, which might be useful. We also have a recent recording of In the Room where parents shared the ways that they've been supported that they found helpful. Second, I typically recommend that the person who wants to help think of something concrete that they can offer. Most parents are too overwhelmed to answer with the well-intended questions of like, how can I help? What can I do for you? So maybe it's offering to deliver dinner on Wednesday nights or taking a sibling to soccer practice, for example. And also keep in mind that families get a fair amount of these offers early on, like around the time their child's diagnosed. But families are in these circumstances for years. And so it's helpful if family and friends can reach out again later too with different things to offer. And then finally, I would recommend to offer to be a sounding board, or just coming to sit with them if they want company. Sticking with families is a powerful way to support them, as caregivers often tell us that they lose relationships after their child is diagnosed.
1: Chrissy, I think you're so right. As a parent, I was going to give the advice of just just show up without requirements, without questions. So often we do burden the parent caregiver. by either asking them what kind of help they need or offering those platitudes like, what can I do for you today? And the best thing you can do for families like mine is just show up as often and as many ways as you can so that you relieve that burden from the family. The other thing I would say is it may look like the family that needs help is in control, but in reality, some of that may just be the forward face I can remember thinking to myself when people would say to me oh you're so in control of everything with your son Ben and what I really wanted to scream out loud was I'm really not I really feel completely helpless right now can you sit with me can you be with me in my helplessness so really think about how you position what you say to families when you interface with them because it can make a real difference And then families, listen to how other people ask you those questions, because that's how you find your people who are your withs. The ones that ask it the right way are generally the ones that are your withs. The ones that just show up and sit on your doorstep are your withs.
0: And CPN has two helpful offerings in particular that i would like to touch on, one being the Courageous Parents Network app that's available for smartphones. Can you talk about some of the features of the app and why this is a handy tool for parents of children with serious illness?
2: Sure. I love the app. We offer it in iOS for Apple or Android. And what's wonderful about the app is that it puts all of our resources right into the palm of your hands. So we know that parents have a lot of downtime in hospitals and there's a lot of waiting time. There's also time where you just want some advice, but you don't have anyone to reach out to. And by putting the palm of your hand, you can go to the app. You can use the search function or scroll through some of our resources and hopefully find something that's helpful to you. All of the resources are free and available 24-7 And, you know, you hear a lot of stories about people who are scrolling for resources in the middle of the night because they can't sleep. And not that I ever recommend that people turn toward mobile devices when they can't sleep, but we all do it sometimes. And I hope that having this as a resource is helpful to people when they're looking for one.
1: Yeah, I really love the app, too. And what I really love about it is this feature we have that's called Bundle and Share it allows you to put together a little library of material specific to you, or just specific to the topic that you're you're worrying about or thinking about. And then you can text message it, which I think is great, or email it to somebody. And I've used this strategy in my own life because sometimes it's easier to let a video or a blog post speak for you. Like once I was feeling particularly sad about something and I didn't have the ability to express what I wanted to say about my bereavement and my grief to my husband. But what I was able to do was use the app to send him a video and say, this mom is talking about how I feel right now. I just don't know how to bring it up with you. And what happened was that night he came home. He had watched the video and he said, I get that you're feeling this way. And we got to have the conversation that I really needed. I just didn't know how to do. And so I say to families all the time, you can use this little feature to help your friends help you to help your mother in law help you because you can show them how to understand you better.
0: CPN also has a monthly webinar series called In the Room. Jennifer, could you tell us a little more about that and where the name came from?
1: Sure. So I'll start a little bit with why do we call this webinar series In the Room? CPN uses the term In the Room as sort of a gold standard for what we want families to experience both personally and in their interactions with their child's providers. We want parents more than anything to feel strong, safe and supported in the room with their child. We want them to be empowered as advocates and decision makers and to really have confidence in being the loving parents that we know they are. And then we really want providers to learn to feel comfortable and equipped to stay in the room with families and accompany them and hold space for them as they go down their journey too often. We hear situations where a provider comes in, delivers news about a diagnosis or about a treatment that needs to happen, and then they feel as though their job is done and they don't stay in that room for the things that come after those things, the emotional considerations that families are going through. So we created this virtual event, and of course the onset of COVID helped us because everybody was doing that, but we created this virtual event to sort of bring those two audiences together into one room for a shared learning opportunity. So we host them, as you said, monthly. And over the past two years, we've addressed a variety of topics from very practical things like how to plan a family vacation when your child has medical needs, or do financial planning as your child transitions to adulthood to many, many of the other psychosocial and emotional topics such as how do I take care of the siblings where we've had siblings themselves be the experts to come in and talk about how they want to be taken care of, how to manage your partnership or marriage, how to cope with anticipatory grief, how to think about what a good day looks like in your house with your child when they're medically complex. And, you know, it take me a long time to list all the topics, but you can find them on our website under events, and you can watch recordings from all of our past in the room webinars. And we will start up our new season in January. We're taking the month of December off. And so I hope you guys will all join us in the room in the new year.
0: And how can families get involved in the Courageous Parents Network?
1: Well, there's lots of ways to get involved in the network. We have a robust blog, so you can always submit a blog submission. We also have something called Become a Featured Family, and this gives you the opportunity to tell your story over time, so you can essentially write a blog entry, we'll post it in our featured family section. And then if you want to, you can contribute yet another one. We have one mom who's gone on to contribute lots of poetry that she's written that's helping her cope with her child's diagnosis as a featured family. You can, of course, attend one of our in-the-room sessions and contribute to the discussion. We host those as meetings so that it's very interactive and audience members, people who attend, get a chance to ask their questions and contribute their wisdom, because we really believe it's the wisdom of other parents that brings so many of the resources to CPN. You can get in touch with one of us and tell us what concerns are rising up for you and what things that you think you need more support about. We're always looking for things to guide new content development at Courageous Parents Network.
0: And you alluded to it earlier, but if somebody wants to find out more information about CPN, where's the best place for them to do that?
2: So I'd say that our website is the best place to begin. It's CourageousParentsNetwork.org, where you can find all of our resources. And as we mentioned earlier, these resources are always free. They're there and available for you. But we also hope that once you're on the website, you'll take one minute to join CPN. We have a tab at the top of the website that says join. And what will happen when you join either as a parent, a family member, or a clinician, is that you'll get periodic updates from us to let you know what our new resources are and what events we have coming up. There are other ways to connect with us too. You can always follow us. We're on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. And that's another great way to engage with us. As Jennifer mentioned, we always love hearing from families and from clinicians about what they're seeing on the ground and in the trenches. And it really inspires us to think about how we can best meet all of those needs.
0: Okay. Well, Jennifer, Chrissy, I'd like to thank you for coming on the show today to introduce our audience to the important work being done over at the Courageous Parents Network. And also, thank you for joining Patient Worthy as one of our partner organizations. I'm sure we'll be hearing a lot more from you in the future.
1: Of course. Thank you, Colby, for having us.
0: And if you'd like to learn more about the Courageous Parents Network and the work they're doing to support parents of children with serious illness, you can check out their website at CourageousParentsNetwork.org. We'll also leave some links in the show notes for this episode, highlighting some of the ways you can get involved and connect with CPM. And remember, you can always keep up with the latest in rare disease news by visiting our website at PatientWorthy.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching for PatientWorthy on those platforms. And if you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving us a review on your favorite podcasting platform. It may seem like a small thing, but a review or rating really does go a long way toward helping us out. Finally, if you have any questions about the podcast or perhaps an idea for a future episode, you can always get in touch with me by sending an email to Colby, that's C-O-L-B-Y at patientworthy.com. That does it for today's episode. Thank you once again to Jennifer Seidman and Dr. Chrissy Sally from the Courageous Parents Network for joining me on the show today. And as always, thank you for listening.